Hi, this is Russell and you're listening to Messy Minds. Hello and welcome back to Season 4 of Messy Minds, where we come to unpack and declutter our thoughts. You're joined by your co-hosts Mary Nguyen and Jesse Chow. It's a new season here at Messy Minds, which means another jam-packed season of fun, chaotic, entertaining, but also very educational content. Whilst we are all here in our 20s trying to live, love, laugh, we are also trying to learn a whole lot of new things for the first time. Wouldn't you agree, Jess? Yes, absolutely. Your 20s is also a time where a lot of us hit a lot of big milestones. Graduating university, landing our first full-time job, getting engaged, buying a house, getting married or even having our first child. And whilst this journey is definitely not a race, we can't help but feel a sense of FOMO when we see our peers have it all together. I am definitely a victim of this mentality and I often beat myself up for it. And it actually takes a moment of meditation to reconnect and remind myself like that five years ago, I would be so proud of how far I've come. And yet I still fall into the same trap every single time I scroll through socials. However, there's many things that I wished I would have known earlier in my 20s and that's why Messy Minds has now become a platform for both you and I to share our life lessons and thoughts in hopes that it'll help somebody else who may be in the same shoes that we are in. Absolutely. We're out here sharing so that we can help you leverage your growth and development in ways that we wish we had received. But you know what they say, it's never too late. Mm -hmm. Today, we'd like to introduce you to a friend of the show. This young man is not only well-established in his business and finance career, but seems to have this very incredible white picket fence life with his young family of two kids and two dogs. That's right, Jesse. Russell Perdio has been a long-time acquaintance of mine dating back perhaps 10 or so years now, and I have been utterly intrigued by how this man has managed to, in my eyes, succeed a lot already for someone who is barely 30. Hi, Russell. Welcome to Messy Minds. It's all a fucking lie, everyone. <laughs> Don't believe no, what you see on me, social guys. media. <laughs> Pretty much. It's a facade. No, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. I'm really You're excited so welcome. to share a bunch of stuff. <laughs> About me living Yes, life. <laughs> we are really excited. Yeah, no, awesome. Thanks for the kind intro. I like white picket fences. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, they say the apple does not fall far from the tree. Can you tell us a little bit about the tree that you've come from? Oh, man. Um, yeah, so this is going to be a little bit strange because, like, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but in my case... The tree's in a completely different yard. Um, so to, to give you some background in, on what that means. Um, so my my mum and dad were never together um, from mm. like pretty much the day that I was born. Mm. So I think if I count how many times I've seen my mum and dad together, at best it'd probably be five. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> from from day dot, like, they weren't, they weren't a couple or mm. like, maybe they were, I haven't really asked the question yet. Um, but for, for me, like there's my dad and his wife, and then I've got my three siblings who are all older than me. So there's, I think, and I hope they don't get angry, 43, 40 this year and 36, mm. and then I'll be turning 30, but I have a different mum. Mm. 
And then my mm. caller, my stepmom and my dad have been together for 44 years. Mm. So I was kind of that like, hey, who's that baby? <laughs> and then, yeah, that all came into fruition. Yeah. So I, w- I won't go into that too much. Um, but, yeah, I don't really have that backing. Um, or I've got like a really strange backing or family background. Mm. Like not so your conventional. I'm also... Oh, no, no way. Like mom and dad and like your siblings kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. correct. So I was both like the baby of the family plus I was an only child. Yeah. Um, And there were periods of my life where like I didn't really talk to my dad Mm. and we had like a separation for maybe two, three years at a time. Um, But with that being said, um, in Australia, on my mum's side, it's just her and me. Mm. And then my uncle... Mm like my mum's brother and my grandfather who just passed away a couple of weeks ago, they were always overseas. Right. So, yeah, when when we look at apples and trees, like I'm sitting with the pears. That's how I'd probably look at it. Yeah. Well, does this, does this uh, metaphor apply to pears? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, I am sitting in the fruit shop. Please help. <laughs> but it was like a really cool upbringing, right? Because... Mm. One of the things was, like, mum was always working. Um, oh, well, she was doing double shifts for a period of my life yeah. when I was little. Um, but, like, for whatever reason, I'd hang out with the Portuguese neighbour and I started talking Portuguese when I was, like, three. Oh, my God, that's so cool. Mom, yeah. Can you still I have speak no idea. Portuguese? Nah, I was going to say No. I'm a little bit hungry, guys. Sorry about that. Can you still... <laughs> Speak Pokemon. Yeah, she's hungry. <laughs> um, but yeah, she like put it into that pretty quickly because she's like, man, I don't know what the fuck Agua means. Um, <laughs> You're like, I don't know whose son this is. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And then like, because I didn't really have anyone to go to, yeah. I'd say with like my godparents here or my godparents there, like on school holidays, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and there's a lot of people who aren't blood related that I consider family. Yeah. Yeah. And like that means I've just mm. had a lot of influences come through in a very short amount of time. Mm. Um but yeah, that's that's my tree and the roots and like how it inter- intertwines with other roots and like how germination can be <laughs> kind of interesting. <laughs> You're like, whatever that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to biology VC here, guys. I know. That's how, yeah. I don't even <laughs> think I passed biology. <laughs> that's where you came from, son. <laughs> like, yeah. So, and I mean, on the financial side, right? Like, mum's mom's never had or never owned a house mm. before. Um, Mm. so that was an interesting journey for me to get my first place. And then my dad and my stepmom and my siblings, I I wouldn't necessarily call them investors. Like they've got their place and that's their place, if you know what I mean. Um, so again, Mm. that was like another level of, Hey, Rust is going to take the first step and Mm. we're just going to see how this all plans, plays out. (laughs) And yeah, I think that's why we were really interested in having you come onto, you know, the podcast, right? Because you had such an unconventional upbringing and stuff and really just no backing and no support. I guess from the outside, right? If someone was to look at your life right now, 
people would might be assume as, might assume that you know you had a lot of help from your family in regards to educating you so that you could come to where you like get to the point where you are with the whole <laughs> with, like you know white picket fence and your conventional you know family um yeah yeah and i guess that's why yeah your story is so interesting and it just goes to show that like it doesn't really matter like what your i guess where you had background. Yeah, what your background and where you, your starting place is if you have yeah. like the motivation to like get yourself to where you want to be it's definitely possible like you are that success story for me that's how I, how I see it oh thank you <laughs> we can cut it there I'm happy with that <laughs> you're like and that's a wrap for this episode <laughs> we don't need All anything right, more we're done wrap it up <laughs> <laughs> Where did you really envision yourself when you were in your teen years? Like, was was this a goal for you where you are now? Was that something you were actively kind of working towards? Oh, look, it. I'd say it was a goal. So I'd probably, I'm just trying to think, um, going back a couple of years before my teens, I was probably at four, I was seven, so core memory unlocked. Oh, my God, seven core. Um, like, yeah, core memory at seven. Yeah. I don't think I remember anything when I was seven. <laughs> Man, like this is like this sticks in my head, right? Because <laughs> mm. where where my mum and I were living at the time, we slept in the same bed, mm-hmm. um, and I think yeah, I was about seven or six years old, and she she's like this brilliant woman. Where back in the Philippines, she was like a submarine mechanic for the U.S. Navy or something, oh my right? God. Like wow, like full on. That's because where yeah, like where we lived in the where she came from in the Philippines, there was like a U.S. Navy base, mm-hmm. like. I don't know, 400 metres away. And, like, all the Filipinos could just hop in and be like, yep, I'm going to get my apprenticeship. Something <laughs> like that. Wow, <laughs> that 10 out of 10 accent. <laughs> Got to do it, man. Got to do it. But, um, yeah, so, anyway, skipping a couple of years forward. So, about seven years old, we're sitting in the room and my mum's got, like, A4 pieces of paper and she's drawing out, like, a house. Mm. And this is like a floor plan and what she wants oh, wow. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if there was like actual plans to buy a place or build a place at that time. But for me, I was just like drawing along and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Um, and in my head, I was like, oh, this is different. Because then we'd often go to Douglas K Real Estate in Sunshine on like a Friday to drop off rent money. Mm-hmm. And then... Like, at that point in time when I'm drawing this out, I started re- realising, hey, my family, friends and stuff don't do that. So from there I went, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then skip a couple <laughs> of years forward, my um, my god sister, my elder god-, god sister, Clyde, she gave me a book when I was 12, and I'm pretty sure everyone's read this now, but it's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. So, yeah, I read that when I was 12, and at that point, I knew that I wanted to buy property for myself and build wealth and have my own family that I could support and just give them the options that, you know, they can do whatever they want. Mm. That's crazy. Like, I just want to know what was going through your god sister's mind when she's gone, oh, it's Russell's 12th, like, birthday. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get him Rich Dad Poor Dad. (laughs) Like, and then I'm over. I reckon she read it. I, and then hey? I'm over here, like buying like a birthday present for my 16 year old like cousin. Like, hmm, what's trending on TikTok these days? <laughs> what are kids like? Like, you know. 
maybe I'm like approaching it wrong. Maybe I should be giving everyone, <laughs> all the kids, oh, man. which don't want to and be like, read it. But, but the fact that you read it is also like a completely different thing, right? Because mm. I think if someone even gave me that book when I was like 18, I probably wouldn't <laughs> even read it. But you know what? Like, I don't know if this is shallow or deep, right? But just having an Asian guy on the cover, I was like, okay. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> You're I cool. will listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> like he seems like okay uh, okay uncle i will read your book um, <laughs> yeah no but like i haven't actually asked her why she gave it to me but the feeling that i got at the time was it was like hey russ read this whatever like she didn't follow up or anything but i was like okay she cool and i think mm. i think it was an old book or like one that she had from ages right. ago and she was like ah because it was a little, like, the pages were, like, a little folded and, like, you could tell it wasn't a freshie, mm. like, straight out of Barnes and Nobles or, yeah. like, what do we have at, back in the day? Was it Dimmicks? No. Yeah, Dimmicks probably. Kind of thing. Mm, I, I feel like there was another one. It was another red. One. I remember it was being red. Yeah. It was red. It was at Melbourne Central. It was really big. Like, where Sephora used to be. Well. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, spot on. It's so, how old we are, I don't guys. think it's fresh from there. <laughs> We're not that old, right? Like, we're not. No, it's okay. I literally okay. saw a meme the other day about being a millennial. It's like, we're that generation that was, like, too too young to own a property, but too but too old to be TikTok famous, but we were born just in time to pay 99 cents for a ringtone. <laughs> I was like, wow. That really hit Did you ever get really, like, jealous of that? Like, because I could never buy one, right? Yeah. And then you'd see someone with it. You'd be like, man, you fucking bastard. Like, you got one. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Like, shit. That's, that's I wish I had one. That's the of our whole entire generation paying 99 cents for a ringtone. <laughs> on your Sony Ericsson. I just Ericsson. want, like, yep. Icebox. Yep. What on? Like, Icebox <laughs> on a polyphonic ringtone? Man. Straight fighting. Living. Oh, all those, like, TikTok <laughs> memes about how people record their voicemails and you, like, play like a music video and then you hold your phone next to it and then you're like hey guys it's jesse and i can't come to the phone right now but leave a message and i'll call you back maybe and then you like bump up the volume on the nb to like end the voice <laughs> i was like wow i thought i was so cool <laughs> that is pretty cool like i might have to start doing that again and bring it back <laughs> I think people, well, like you, people would appreciate it. your, like, work voicemail like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like... Hey, guys, I am out of the office right now, but maybe I'll think about getting back to you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a random song. It's like, you would not believe your eyes. <laughs> Ten million fireflies. <laughs> now you have to execute it. <laughs> Oh, we should do like a whole like TikTok reel about like yeah, re- recording like office voicemails with like two thousand <laughs> early two thousand. Oh, I think that would do really well. I'm cringing. What are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? How do we get to this? <laughs> this is what it, what it's like to be old. This is exactly it. Yeah, literally, the dementia's kicking. Anyway, back. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that. I, um, I guess we were talking about how um, your sister gave you this book and you were like, you know, it, it was a red book, it was used, and you kind of yeah. just 
got on with it and you read because, the book because and... there was an asian man on the front cover and that, <laughs> yeah that's what sold you <laughs> yeah pretty much. much to convince little russell <laughs> i was like okay that's trustworthy <laughs> no but like i mean I, I think i read through i was a big reader at the time so like i finished reading the lord of the rings because i was like yeah this is sick because <laughs> it's right after the movies came mm-hmm. out so i was like all right i'll read this book mm-hmm. lord of the rings elves dwarves all right rich dad poor dad done um <laughs> yeah, so that was that was the key, right? And I'd say that that was probably um, a goal for me, but I didn't have a plan in place mm. until maybe I was like 21 mm. or 20. But like before that, it was just, you know, I'm going to go to school and, and figure something out and, study and hard, work. Rah, rah. Yeah, and even, even the study mm. hard, I didn't execute well. <laughs> like I it's really did not execute that well. You, you thought oh, about studying you. hard and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted a participation award, and that was all I and that's what you really got. <laughs> wanted to achieve. Yep. <laughs> so you did hit your goal. <laughs> I did, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right. I did hit it. Um, sorry, I'm just having a moment. <laughs> He's like, wow, I'm, I'm crushing it at this life game, <laughs> and I didn't even know. <laughs> you, you know what though? Like on that, right? Sometimes I'll like. Uh, what's the word when you think back on your life? Like reflect. Uh, reminisce. Mm, reminisce. Reflect. Yeah. Reflect is a good. Reflect is like a better word for it. I'd say it's more accurate. And like I go, oh man, I've done X, Y, and Z, and then you know I I still fall into that trap of like looking at my colleagues and going, oh, but they're like here and I'm not here yeah. or there. And then the other thing that pulls me back into like a grounded level is. Apart from where, like, where I came from, I kind of go, oh, shit, they're 40. <laughs> like, yeah, they like, have I, 10 I forget years how old they are. experience and time to get to where they were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm. spot on. Spot on. So, like, or even if I talk to, like, a 45 or 50-year-old, like, I keep forgetting. I, I often forget how old I am or how old other people mm. are because as long as we click, I'm, like, we're the same. We're, we're in the same stages of life. <laughs> yeah. And, like. Now there's there's this like twenty year old that I was talking to the other week, and I'm like, yeah, man, we're like pretty much on the same page. Like, I think we're in the same generation. And then found out he was twenty, and I'm like, like oh crap, I'm like your uncle. <laughs> I am like the trusted <laughs> uncle on the front cover of Poor Dad, like Rich Dad Poor Dad to you. <laughs> yeah, spot on. I was like, oh man, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna be a an episode about how like 30 year olds are starting to feel old yeah <laughs> starting to feel the, their the, age yeah <laughs> the reality slap off your of your age i still can't come to tell you how old i am i still think i'm like in my head i forget sometimes like i always have this like random like a bit i don't what would you not an epiphany but just like a bit of shock about where i am in life i'm like how am i unsupervised why is nobody supervising me? Why can I, like, the fact that sometimes, like, you know, if I had a craving at, like, midnight to go get McDonald's, I could literally just jump in my car and go get McDonald's because I have my license and I make my own money. Like, I don't have to go, hey, hey, mom, can I, can we, like, maybe perhaps go to McDonald's after school? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or, like, if I just wanted to, I don't know, move to another country, I could just do that. I could just, you know, do my research and then just go. And nobody, like, there is literally nobody stopping me. And sometimes I'm just like, D- like, don't, doesn't somebody need to review my plan? Like, some, do I not need to get permission from somebody? 
Why am I at Super I need my permission slip. I know, like, hello. I don't think I should be out here doing this by myself. This doesn't seem right. I feel like this is a bit of child abuse, guys. I'm being a bad <laughs> Do you Do you ever have, like, I don't know if this is a me thing, but do you have, like, a reoccurring nightmare? And, like, it's just, oh, shit. I've got my VCE exams tomorrow. I'm fucked. <laughs> like, I need to get to this. <laughs> No, I've left high school oh, and okay. life behind me. I do have reoccurring nightmares, but not about VCE. I've let I've left okay. that life way, way behind me. Because <laughs> I still get that. Like even now, like twelve years later, I'll, I'll like wake up like, and I'm shit, like, I'm late for my my frame biology yeah. exam. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's spot on. It's always biology. I'm like, shit. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what the fuck I'm is a nucleus? <laughs> biology doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I have children. No, oh shit, I have my own kids that I'm responsible for. How did, how did anyone let that happen? Oh, bloody hell. Imagine he has his kids and they're doing their VC and he's still having these know, having dreams. <laughs> like, I'm just like sitting at the back of the room. I'm like, oh shit, hey, can I get let out? Like, Ma'am, can I please go to I the really toilet? I need to pee. <laughs> So we've been asking you to leave for the past 30 minutes. <laughs> Sir, I don't think you're supposed to be here. <laughs> oh, God. That's so funny. What I really wanted to know was, like, why was it so important for you to own your own home? Like, why was it for you at, like, 7 or 12 years old so important? Mm. Because it's not like... At, at, at that age we were out there yeah. being like oh i have I to buy my own home else. you know yeah, <laughs> i was like i want a new tamagotchi yeah, like exactly. that's what yeah, i was I'll talking about you know how am i gonna make friends if i don't have the latest version like you know <laughs> that's and the like, only yeah. thing like, i was thinking about <laughs> <laughs> you hit like 13 14 and you're like Man, I really need the iPhone 3G. Like, that yeah. is sick. Yeah. If I take a lot of photos, yeah. it'll look like a video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Fucking oath. Um, yeah. It, it was important to me, right, because when, when I was growing up, and, like, this is probably my environment at the time, where we lived, there were four flats. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, four flats, and, like, my mum and I lived in one my family friends and like we all came from the same like town in the philippines and we managed to just score this whole place to ourselves oh that's so cool and like like, having a a village in a in a building yeah spot on and it was it wasn't even a building right like it's just like this massive lot maybe 1100 square meters like 16 meter frontage but like you had like these little flats just spread out so then you had like your own courtyard together Mm um and they had and like the kids there were my age and stuff, but we're all from the same village or town. It's more of a town. Um, but slowly mm. they moved out and, like, they all started moving to, like, um, Carnley, Caroline Springs, like, a new part of St Albans. And these are, like, all brand new houses. And, like, I looked at that and I was like, oh, man, like, they're all going to these new places. Like, th- this is pretty fresh like it's literally a fresh house um and I remember talking to my mum earlier and she was like open and like honest with me right like she doesn't sugarcoat anything and she was like yeah we can't afford to get a, mm. a new house so for, for me I was always like I want to own my own place and I want to have something so that 
it's mine in a weird way. Mm. Like I, I think the motivation was I want to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Um, like mm. if I wanted to paint the walls, even, I can paint the walls. If I wanted to put a picture up, I can put a picture up. Like, yeah, um, like just little things like that, it, right? Spot on. Like to take it further, it's like if I want to buy a car, I'll just go buy a mm. car. If I want to, you know. If I want to do anything in my life, I can do it. Yeah. And it was just that idea of, and I'll just add as well, my mum had no expectations for me, right? Mm. Like when I was growing up, she wasn't like, you have to become a nurse, mm. like nothing. Mm-mm-mm. There was just nothing, nothing going on. So I had free reign over my destiny. Mm. And I was like, well, if I do this, I can build my own family because I really like what I see in other families that are a bit more conventional. Um, if I do this, I can build wealth and perhaps put my mom in a good place, build up a future for my future partner and my kids if I was lucky to have kids. And this is my thoughts back then, which definitely got kids now. Um, and, you know, I always wanted to be of service in some sort of way, but for me to be of service in my head, I go, I need to build myself up first that's a bit of a rant yeah no, 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 <laughs> and that, that that makes a lot of like sense of like yeah why you are so motivated to get yourself to where you are now because like like i said it always goes back to right it doesn't really matter what your background or your what your starting point is if you have enough passion drive and you want something enough like you'll find a way to like make it happen yeah, I think I think that's what like a lot of people miss whenever they're they might have a fleeting moment of, oh, I want to like buy my own place mm. or I want to get into this sort of position at work or whatever it is. Yeah. Like that that's all good and well and everyone can plan it out, but like the motivation or the reason behind that, if that's not there, I don't think someone will succeed. Of course. Like yeah. straight up. <laughs> yeah. Like, the discipline to actually follow through with your goal is, like, really hard to actually, like, follow, yeah, like, to actually execute. Um, and, yeah, like, I think the reasoning and your, I think your upbringing is definitely a, was a massive motivator and an influence, like, for you to, like, get to where you were. And, like, in the same way, right, you could have taken your mm. own situation and gone, well, you know, I don't you know, I don't have parents that can financially support me, you know, to give me a deposit to buy a house. You know, I'm never going to be able to afford one anyway because that's how everyone else manages to do their stuff, right, with, like, you know, the help and the support of their parents. So, you know what, I'm just going to give up. I'm just not going to do it. Like, you know, it, you definitely could have looked at your situation that way, and but you chose not to and you decided to, you know, make something of yourself for yourself and for your future. And, yeah, I, I think that's very, like, admirable. Thank you. It's like... I actually did try, though. Um, <laughs> well, obviously. So, you no, know, like, as in, um, I did go to my dad at one point and I asked him if he could help me mm. out. So when I was, I think it was about nine, 19 or 18, I had, like, $3,000 to my name and I thought I was, like, the richest guy in the world. <laughs> I was like, my man. <laughs> I'm, like, looking in the mirror, like, places. <laughs> pretty much. And I actually, I, I managed to, like, talk my way into a home loan no a house and lucky house and luggage no house and pack and house and land package (laughs) god um house and land package appointment with home buyers center 
And I went over there in Docklands after work one day and I was like, hey, yep, yeah, I'm thinking about buying a place. And they're like, how much money you got? Like saved up. I was like, I got three fucking thousand dollars, my friend. <laughs> like with and they're like, <laughs> Yeah, spot on. And they're like, that is not enough. You're probably going to need like 30, 40,000 at least if you want to build this. And they go, the other way you can do it is potentially getting a guarantee from one of your parents. Mm. So... I had like a little bit of an understanding at that point and I went, mm, my mum's not going to be able to do anything because she doesn't have something to guarantee it with. Mm-hmm. But then I went to my dad and he mm-hmm. said no. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, right, because he's got three other kids who are like all adults now and what I learned later was there was a bit more stuff going on in the background. Um, he actually wasn't in position to do it. So mm-hmm. he couldn't verbalise that well at the time. But like <laughs> yeah, so it just came now I look back no. on it. <laughs> yeah spot on spot on and i look at I look back on it now and i'm like oh, okay i get it but like now I'm, i feel better off that i didn't go down that route yeah things worked out mm. better that way the universe had bigger plans for you yeah spot on and like i think i think a lot of people say that i'm quite passionate or like motivated and like um a contributing factor to that is when i was like younger I got really into church and like I'm I would self-describe my I would describe myself as a Christian that does not attend church and doesn't really share their beliefs um but from mm. that like I've got a really strong um a really strong feeling that I'm empowered to do more than anyone can say I can do if that makes mm-hmm. sense like I'm very headstrong about that um and that goes with everything like I'm I'm more than confident that if I was to go, well, I could leave my job today and earn another 50 grand tomorrow. Like <laughs> I'm just like, yep, I can do that. That's fine. Or I can go, yeah, I can get another property. I just got to work towards it. Like, that's fine. Yeah. But nothing really makes me go, oh, that's impossible. Mm. Or if it, go, if it feels impossible, I'm just like, eh, it's probably going to be a possibility somehow. I just need to move a few pieces. <laughs> that's a really great mindset mm. to have and one that I will try to adopt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know half the time it's like confidence really to w- doing anything you're like if you have enough self-belief that you can do it you're pretty much already halfway there mm. i think a lot of yeah, people 100%. like forget that like a lot of the time yeah by like doubting yourself that you're unable to do something you're you've already like set yourself back and made you've you've, you've pretty much made it impossible for yourself just because you've gone yeah i can't do it anyway so yeah like that's right that's a hundred percent right. Like you're, it's like going to the gym because you you started the gym journey like a year ago, right? Yeah, I've been going for a while, but I only really took it super seriously like last year. Yeah. Yeah, right. And I think I don't know if this is the case for you, but like myself, I was in a similar position a while ago, and I was like, "Man, I'm not gonna lose this weight." Like, <laughs> and I never did until that change, and I was like, "No, no, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna." be dedicated to the process yeah. and then one by one I became a Jenny Craig ad yeah. and I was like sweet <laughs> I'm gonna use that now I'm like yeah so now I'm pretty much like a walking Jenny Craig ad <laughs> yeah, just start just start calling me Jesse Craig yeah no, um, I'm no, the light and ambassador <laughs> listen up light and easy yeah. you can sponsor these guys right now I think we 
talked about this mm. a couple days ago. We talked about how you were into um, heavy weightlifting yeah, or something. Powerlifting. Yeah, powerlifting. powerlifting. Do oh you want to? Yeah, I don't know anything. Do you want to talk about that? Because that was such a, like, it wasn't a fleeting moment. I think you did it for a couple years, but, like, now it's not even, like, part of your identity anymore. <laughs> like, you've moved on from, like, this, this like, powerlifting guy into, like, white picket fence guy. Like, to me, I'd, I completely forgot about that until we, like, brought this it up the really other day. acquired so many identities in his, yeah. in his lifetime. He hasn't even hit 30 yet and he's already been, like, seven different kinds of people. Bad. I'm like a, I'm like a low-key Tinder, Tinder, what is it, Tinder swindler? Just, but like without without scamming anyone. <laughs> yeah, I'm just minus like, yeah, the look at all my part. identities. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the uninitiated, and I think it's getting pop- more popular now. So powerlifting is three lifts. It's your squat, your bench, your deadlift. So similar in practice competitively to weightlifting, where you get three attempts of each and you just lift the heaviest thing that you can, right? I got into that completely by accident. Like, just for funsies. Completely by like, accident. I just, how do you just accidentally become a powerlifter? What, you just like slip and like, fell and like landed on a bench press and you're like, oh, I guess I'm just going to lift this thing. <laughs> that's what no, he means like, when I accidentally became a powerlifter. <laughs> so when, again, it's always like around 1920 that this started, right? Um, I was trying to lose weight at the time and I was, it was more like, man, I've been like pretty chubs my whole life, but. I don't like it anymore. Everything feels like doesn't feel good. Mm. So I started going to the gym and I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I was like, yep, I'll do this. <laughs> I'll do that. Sick, fresh, loving it. No results. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but I'd be going in like six or seven days. Like I was pretty dedicated yeah. at, at that. Um, and there was this one guy at the gym and him and I are really close friends. And he was my powerlifting coach. But at the time he was like, I don't know what he was studying at Melbourne Uni, but he was like a physio, he was becoming a physio mm-hmm. and he was working at Durham at gym for the boys out West. What up? What um, <laughs> on? Believe in yourself. Um, yeah. So he was just working there and he, and he just like saw me coming in every Sunday morning at like, 7 a.m. and he eventually just came up to me. I was like, "Hey, man, look, do you want me to give you some pointers? Um, I'm a powerlifting coach, right, right?" And I actually, and he doesn't know this, but I did a bit of a stalk on him after because he was training with a guy that I went to high school with. Who, and this is a, a thing on comparison, just to hark it back. He became the world champion. <gasps> That's crazy. In my weight division. Oh wow. And. Yeah, so those guys were training together, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, yeah, I guess I want like to train with you." He's not just like your your random Joe at the gym that's trying to like give you unsolicited gym advice. Yeah, bad, and like, <laughs> so like doing. these two guys were like, yeah, they they were actually really into it at the time. Mm, so totally. from there, they were like, "Give you a plan, give you some technique." That's really like, nice. We'll start strength training. Yeah, it is really nice. And then there was a group of us that. It's so weird because we're all, we've all become parents now, but um, you're all like acquired a dad bod. Ah, <laughs> oh, some of those guys are still like magnificent, but anyway, <laughs> there we, there was a group of us and we'd all train together and stuff. And the goal, the goal was 
to get stronger and we go oh sweet i've lift i've deadlifted like 100 kilos or 150 kilos etc but it got to the point where we were like no no no, let's let's do some competitions because some some of the guys that were more established were doing competitions and i was like you know what screw it yeah i'll do a comp Mm. yeah and like three three or four years of my life was probably training two or three hours a day um sticking to like a 12-week plan and then just restarting again going to a competition and doing like water cuts and just trying to see if I can make it in that moment um and I think at, at my best like I was competing at a 66 kilo weight class my best would have been like 185 kilos oh, that's squat. crazy <laughs> That is insane. Oh my gosh, is that Daffy Duck? No. Yeah. Um, in, sh- <laughs> in shock. It's and then my bench was like 110. So it was like, it was pretty weak, wow. to be honest. Is that, oh yeah, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm quite easily impressed. I bench pressed like the bar and I don't give a crap. <laughs> like me walking into the gym at like 6 p.m. peak hour time to like take the bench press for like a full 15 minutes just so I can lift the bar. <laughs> or like maybe a 1.25 like... kilos on each side. <laughs> They're just like, is she using that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I am. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think my deadlifting competition was about 230. Wow. So that was like my peak, mm. my peak lift. I was always straight up for that. But it taught me a lot. Like it taught me about like planning and just sticking to it and just trusting the process mm. without worrying about the end result. Like at the beginning, yeah. it's just like, yeah, let's just go for it. And yeah, that was me in powerlifting. Mm. But eventually I went, you know what, this is two or three hours a night. My priorities are shifting from mm. um, just training to, hey, I want to spend more time with uh, my girlfriend at the time who ended up marrying me, Wynn. Um, <laughs> Sacrifice well made. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, I want to spend time with her. I want to spend time with, like, I want to make time for my kids in the future. Because mm. even then I was thinking, you know, I, I really want to have kids. Um, but if I do this two, three hours a night, then I'm not really leaving room for anything else. Yeah. So it's like, I've got my hands full, but there's so much more I can hold Mm. if I just let go of this. Mm. Yeah. That's quite poetic. I reckon. It is. It is. (laughs) Just different stages in your life, right? But I think it's really cool that you got to, I guess, have that for a short period. Mm. And like, yeah, it's something that you can kind of recount on. And then all those additional like life lessons you, you learn. From that, like nobody thinks about like, yeah, I'll do powerlifting for a couple of years and I want to walk away with like a few, like a new mindset that I can apply to different areas of your life. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, a lot of people don't think about gym or fitness in that sense. People just think about like, oh, yeah, I go to the gym so I can like look good, for example. <laughs> but yeah, there, it's so and now much I've got bragging rights. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> it's like I'll see someone like talking about gym and I'll be like, hey, just Google this. And look at number seven. And be like, hey, that's your name. I'll be like, yeah, number seven in Australia. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'll just like wow. to remind everybody that this was me at some point in my life. And that is all I have yeah. to say. Thank you. <laughs> but the bloody guy that I was like comparing myself to, because like him and I had a bit of friendly competition, mm. he was literally the world champion. And I'm sitting here like, fuck. Hey, at least you made it on the damp list. I think that's already yeah, like, true. a mad achievement because most people would never get their name on there anyway. So mm. don't downplay your your success. 
I think there's a theme going on here with everything that we've been talking about, which is kind of like just being persistent and like planning Mm. and looking at the picture from a bigger perspective, perspective. Mm. like, you know, obviously there's a bigger goal, but, you know, you've honed into smaller things to sort of pave the way there for you. Um, We briefly touched on about how you did in school and what you like, you know, what your whether or not you were studious and Mm -hmm. a high achiever in school. What did you actually study at uni? And did you know that that was what something that you wanted to do? Um, I'll I'll preface this with like I was a solid B plus student at school. (laughs) Solid B plus. Not, yeah, not a solid B, B plus. Not an A minus, just a B plus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, hey, can you get the job done? Yeah, probably. Like that, that's me. Am I right? going to over overachieve at it? No. Is it no. still going to be a decent job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, am I going to be mad about it? No, not really. <laughs> not really. Um, and like year twelve, right? So. Because I went to a Catholic school, we had the religious um, oh, subjects as well. Me too, me too. So, did you, like, you had text and traditions <laughs> and what was the other one? Um, I think that was the only one that oh. was compulsory in year 12, text and traditions. There, mm. there was another one. There's, I can't remember the name of it, but, like, at that point, I was like, man, I am going to become a church minister. Oh so I want to do both. You're like, I am yeah, so legit. good at this subject. I was like, I know what I'm talking about. I got beliefs. Um, <laughs> I believe in myself. <laughs> so I did that in year 12, right? And then after it, I was like, when I'm picking out my preferences, I'm like, oh, man, I do not want to do that. Um, but I've already studied it. So I ended up going with a double degree in um, teaching and the art because I always thought if I could be a teacher, and I like history, so if I could teach history, then I'm somehow giving back to future generations, etc. Um, that being said, I dropped out after six months. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, yeah. it's so funny because you started off the speech with like, you know, it was a very logical, like the way that you chose it was very logical. It made a lot of sense. You definitely didn't just choose it on a whim, but six months later, you'll see like, no, nah, this isn't for me. Oh man, I reckon it was earlier than that, but I just like, I just stopped going because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really like uni. Yeah. Um, or I didn't like the, mm. I, don't, I don't know if I didn't like, like uni or if I didn't like the course or the structure. Um, and I was just like, man, I don't want to do this for four years. I'm not like a hundred percent in on it. Mm. Like this, it don't feel right. Um, so then I left that. I def- did I defer? No, I just left. <laughs> so for six months, I was just working in a factory. Mm. Um, and I was like, it was really just like press a button, something happened. Yeah. Put something like really in, brainless press the kind of like anyone yeah. can do it, that kind of job. Mm. Yeah. And I was like nine, 18 or 19 at the time. And then all my colleagues were like 45, 50 plus. So it was very, very strange. Mm. Um, but then after that, I had the epiphany. I was like, man, I'm going to get into the business management or um, marketing or something. So re- enrolled in uni, started going again, started working part-time in ma- manufacturing. And then after six months, I was like, nah, man, this ain't it. <laughs> I was like, this ain't it, man. I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> not enjoying this at all. So I actually don't have a university degree. I left it at that. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm not university 
educated. That's crazy. Um, like, <laughs> talk about unconventional. <laughs> like, you, it's like, especially like in this day and age, right? People put so much weight on like a university degree, like out, like coming from an Asian background, right? That's just like a necessity. Oh, yeah. 90% of the time, your parents don't even know what you studied at uni. It's just the fact that you went through with it and got a piece of paper. Like they don't actually understand <laughs> the price that you pay one or what it actually is that like or like the value of like a university degree because they just think oh if you if you go to uni like that's how you get a good paying job and that's how you have a stable life and you just like basically (laughs) just prove them wrong by going well look i have all the things that you i guess expect from like children right your children Mm -hmm. to have and to, to to go through and i didn't go through that the university route and like a lot of times yeah. now, even a lot of jobs, they don't even ask you what degree you have. But some of the requirements I've seen on job listings is that you just have a bachelor's degree. Like that's the yeah requirement, right? They just say a bachelor degree, yeah. but they don't have to. Spe- you don't have to specify what it is, like you mm. did. And the fact that yeah, you've been able to achieve so much like without one just goes to show that sometimes it really just means like your studies really just mean nothing to you, like. <laughs> I wish I could oh. tell myself that, like, dude, I had, I'm pretty sure, like, the duck, like, not the yeah. ducks, but, like, you know how at the end of year 12, they have, like, that mm. thing where there's, like, a ceremony for people that, well, my school did this, where if you achieved, like, above 90 in your ATAR, and then they give out also certificates for people that scored, like, over 40 in your VCE yeah. subjects. And I remember looking at all those mm. people, because I also was not very good at, like, I was not a school person. Like you, I was, like, a B plus kind of kind of gal not bad but not great and i was like damn these people are oh, these are going to be the people that are like so successful like in life and they're going to be doing all these crazy high-paying jobs but some of them are just like mm. you know becoming like lash technicians because that's like their passion or like doing like something mm. completely different like you know and i was yeah. just like wow i just really or like people that i thought would do really bad were doing like mediocre in school are like doing like crazy great things now and it just yeah it just goes to show that like yeah if you're in year 12, which I highly doubt you're not because our, our audience is not usually in that age range. Your age really Unless you still have like the trauma that I have. Oh, yeah. Unless <laughs> like... you have some, some weird trauma that you're like stuck in your like 17 year old body <laughs> and you need to study for VCE bio. <laughs> Don't worry about it, girl. It's not that deep. <laughs> That's all I can say to you. <laughs> you, you know what though? Like the, the other thing I'll add to that is that even though I didn't finish uni, I, I kept learning. Mm. But it was just stuff that I was right, interested yeah. in, mm. right? Yeah, spot on. So, like, I I just thought after after I dropped out, I went, oh, shit, man, what, what the hell am I actually going to do? Yeah. And I thought I'm going to be something re- um, respectable. I'm going to do something professional. Mm. And then I got into real estate, which uh, debatable. <laughs> debatable, but... I got into real estate, right? So I did that. What was that? I got my certificate for that and I did the study for that, which is fine. Um, but I still got like a cert for in business administration because I wanted to know how to do things in that space. Mm. I got a diploma of management while I was working. And then I got my like certificate for in finance and, mm. finance and mortgage working. And, and this was all so, while you were working full time? Yeah, 100%. Mm. 100%. So like, and how old were you those... at this point when you were like getting, oh. like, is this like between your like 20, early 20s to like 25 or? Early 20s. So I did, 
I did the real estate certificate, the cert for business admin and the diploma before I was 22. Mm-mm. And I was, yeah, I was working full time. And then later, later down the track, I did my, um, my qualifications for finance and mortgage broking. So I would have been maybe 24 at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was all like, it was all stuff that I was interested in yeah. and then I could do it. And I was like, I can do this at my own pace. Mm. Does it take six months? Nah, I'll do it in two months because I can. Yeah. Yeah. So it was always, mm. like I always kept learning. But then to me, getting a bachelor's degree now or like going into further studies, I don't see I don't see how it would impact my life. Mm. Like I get or how benefit, it would look on a resume. Benefit. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, for me to get that, I'll probably still be where I am. Yeah. It's just at this point, it's just a bad financial decision because you're raking in a big debt that you don't need. And like, I feel like <laughs> at this point, right, the, the degree is only really important when you have no like real life work experience, right? Because that's the only thing you can talk about. Like that's the only yeah. thing you can like bring to the table, right? Your degree. But you've already, you know kind of gotten yourself so far in your career that like even if you were to get a bachelor degree no one would even care about it right now they'd be like cool story bro like let's talk about what what else you've been doing for the last like five six years um I guess that kind of brings us to the question what exactly do you do (laughs) (laughs) man I don't even know how to answer that question I just rock up to places (laughs) um so my role the title is broker support manager Mm -hmm. um and that is so vague, like that, depending on what organization mm. or what bank you work with, that could just be so many different things, oh, that right? picks up the phone, Yeah. right? Um, for me, I work for what we call an aggregator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll go into that a little bit more in a second. But my role is to work with self-employed mortgage brokers um, around Melbourne. And I help build up their businesses by looking at their processes, looking at um, their marketing, looking at the lenders they work with and introducing them to other lenders that may suit their clientele a bit more. And I also work with lenders on the other side to introduce them to good operating brokers. Um, The whole idea with my role is that I try to build up their business because in turn, our group as an aggregator becomes better respected in the industry. Um, And the other side of that is we get more people wanting to join us, um, to join us, to, to further their business so it's sort of it's sort of sales in a way but it's also a lot of relationship building Mm. um for those of you that don't know what an aggregator is it's like there's your broker that you deal with um that for getting your first home loan or whatever and they work with a whole bunch of banks in between that there's an aggregator that does the vetting to make sure that broker is capable to do the job Mm. and they also on the other hand talk to lenders to go hey what type of products do you have what can you offer our brokers because some some lenders are very similar in their offering and you might go great um at least we've got options there but then other lenders are more bespoke in their offering so you might have a client with a certain scenario that um doesn't fit with call it your major banks like cba anz westpac uh, nab i should say because i'm with nab um, it may not fit with them, but a more bespoke lender might look at that application and go, yep, that's fine. We can lend money towards that. So it's our job to really connect those people. Mm, if like that middle, doesn't really. The middle man. Yeah. Between yeah, the so, bank and the brokers. Yeah, spot on. And like, if I take that further and, and try to use another analogy, oh, a better analogy, 
like if I was to go to the fruit shop, um, that would be the equivalent of a broker. So I'm a customer, I go into the fruit shop and they might get their fruit from a wholesaler and that wholesaler might work with 50 different farms to get that produce. So depending on what type of produce mm. you want, they'll filter it down to the, re to the retail shop um, and that retail shop will filter it to the customer and the customer can make their decision. So it's quite it's quite similar in that respect. Basically, um, you're the wholesaler in this situation. Then, like you are looking at all the different farms and you're selecting different products to then provide to, to your fruit the... shop owners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like in in a really basic way, that's it. Mm. And I'd also go up to my fruit shop owners and be like, "Hey, why don't we put the oranges next to?" I don't know, the vanilla, like mm. it might make more sense. Or like, mm. why don't we put the apples and the pears next to each other for a bit of contrast? Like mm. it's that idea of, yes, we're going to present you different lenders, but we're also going to try help build up your business and in and, and as many ways as we can. Your job. Oh, mm. yeah. And like, so he's like doing IVM. Yeah, he's like doing like visual <laughs> merchandising. But in like, a, this is our retail minds kind of visual <laughs> merchandising, but in like a bank, finance y, borrow money way. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Pretty much. It was, I'm just sitting there arranging the stuff, being like, that's good. Mm. <laughs> that's quite a, I guess, how do I say this? You know, when you come out of, school or you finish uni nobody goes hmm. I, i'm gonna be a fruit wholes like wholesaler you know or you know they don't think they don't that's not like a, an aggregator yeah, not, i didn't even hear this yeah. word for, until like now yeah, like nobody thinks, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna like study to be an aggregator you know nobody thinks about that i don't even yeah like i don't think most people wouldn't even know what that is right unless you're actually mm. a broker or in no. that kind of like space industry yeah exactly so how kind of did you find yourself in this position because obviously it wasn't it wouldn't have been like a, a linear process oh yeah it was <laughs> hasn't like been for anything know, in his life is linear for no <laughs> it's yeah, it really yeah. isn't it really is isn't right like so i did real estate for about a year and my job there was to get people to sell their houses mm. so you'd often think a real estate agent they sell houses it's like yes but you need some of them do spot on 110%. So I'd be like cold calling like a hundred people a day, knocking on their doors, being like, like literally going door knocking and mm. be like, Hey, let's sell your house. Um, to, to change, yeah. to change Susan. I can see it in spot your on. eyes. <laughs> I'll be like, Susan, Steve doesn't love you anymore. It's time to move on. Okay, it's time to move on and split your assets and let me help you with that. Yeah, so I did that for I did that and my my career progression like it is not conventional either. So you probably gather that would probably happen anyway. But I did that for a year and I went this is so hard. Like I'm working from I'm starting work at maybe 7.30 a.m., finishing up at 8.30 p.m. Oh Plus I'm going to the gym after and I work Saturdays as well. So to me, I was like, I cannot do this until I'm 30 to get to a position where I want to be financially. Like that does not make sense in terms of me building up a family or like having meaningful relationships with people. Like I don't see that happening. So I left mm. after a year um, and an acquaintance of mine, he he called me up because he 
of, he knew that I'd left work and he was like, Hey man, do you want a job? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I need money. Right. So I ended up working at a very prestigious and professional used car dealership. <laughs> it was like, it was not, yeah, it was like, no, how put it? Like they can be professional with customers, but then it's one of those positions where it's very high paced, like high intensity. Mm. Um, and my job there wasn't to sell cars. It was actually after sales. So like if you walked in and you bought a Ferrari or a Maserati or some shit like that, and the salesman promised, hey, we'll get that delivered to WA in three, three, three days. Um, and we're going to change it from the color yellow to black. We're going to wrap it. It'd be my job to make sure that all happens in that time frame that the person promised. Oh, that's shit. That is a shit job. That's all I can say. <laughs> like making sure that somebody else's promise gets fulfilled. Yeah. Like it was, it was massive in the sense of like, this was a huge learning curve and like the personalities in that, um, and I'll, I'll be honest in, in that upper echelons of wealth, like, they're either very divisive or they're like really accommodating. Mm. And here I am as like, I think I was 20 years old. Here I am as a 20 year old, um, bloody driving around in my 1989 Mazda, like trying to help sell a Ferrari. <laughs> or like make sure, make sure Tom's Ferrari is wrapped in the right matte finish. <laughs> You know, yeah, and gets delivered to his house before his uh, beach house holiday. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's spot on. Mm. Like that it's like that type of conversation or like, hey, there's only one of these cars in Australia, Russell. Make sure that it gets to this location without a scratch. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean there's one of these cars in Australia? You're, and what do you like, mean I'm responsible for this? I'm twenty. <laughs> They're like, there's only one. <laughs> you can't mess this up. <laughs> yeah, and it was a great workplace, like to learn mm. and there were good relationships formed there and sometimes it was way too hectic but it gave me that time to breathe mm. um and with any mm. car dealership right there's a person that does the finance and we had our finance outsourced to um this brokerage that did car loans so after a little while they tapped me on the shoulder and they just went russ we've seen how you work with customers we see like the reviews that they've left for this company speaking about you specifically, we think you should maybe make the jump and get into finance. Mm-hmm. And me being 20 at the time, oh I'm God. like, like, wow, that's you, you like me. I don't even like me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Shit. Okay. Your taste is bad, but okay, girl. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Because I'm still working Saturdays there, right? Mm. It's a, it's a car yard. Um, at that point, I'm like, you why not screw it like what have i got to lose Mm. if i start a job and i don't like it i will just find another job Mm. like whatever so i ended up Mm. moving from this place with like all these like hype supercars and that to this sort of dingy little office on ballarat road in Braybrook next to a pokies surrounded (laughs) by like it's very beautiful i know exactly where you're talking about you know you know which one, right? <laughs> and there's like the Woolies across the road that's now a KFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And there's like a little Asia Delight where you can get like a fried rice with like chicken ribs for like eight dollars, but you can get it for nine dollars. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it's definitely that that spot, man. Like you know exactly where I'm talking about. Um, 
So I mm-hmm. work, I work there, and like in the time that it took me to put in my first application, that took me about three hours because I just wasn't getting it right. But I stuck to it, and three years later, like in that time, Alex, Alex, my wife was more established in what she was doing because she. She was a pastry chef at Rockpool at the time, but then but then she moved into banking at NAB um, and she was more established in that particular role. So I was working there for maybe two, three years, uh, maybe two and a half. And I worked from being a credit analyst to being a senior credit analyst, but unbeknownst to me, I was literally doing a finance broker's job mm. um, in that space. So I only left that position because after Alex and I put the deposit down for our first property, um, we went to go. I went to go buy a fridge and an oven from the good guys in Maribyrnong, <laughs> and like we just paid for it in full, right? Like I'm there. I'm like, yep, we're gonna get that Smeg oven. We're gonna get that LG fridge with like, for whatever reason, I wanted it to have Wi-Fi. So oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> going all out with the wi-fi fridge i know right but russell at that time when he was buying his fridge had really set himself up (laughs) guys and went treat yourself (laughs) i'm gonna get notified when my water filter needs to be changed okay wow (laughs) take anything less (laughs) spot on spot on um so i paid for it right um and it was I still remember it was like six thousand three hundred ninety nine oh after god. the sales and stuff. Oh my god! You spent what? You spent what on a fridge, <laughs> sir? Mate, no, no, no. It was the it was the oven, the Smeg oh, oven, the, like that why really you need got a it. Smeg oven, Russell. Oh, dude, it was like this would be like the centerpiece of the kitchen the and like I Alex being a pastry chef. Mm, I was like, you know what? Like, we're doing she it. She needs that. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I'm like, we're doing it. If that's what's gonna make it, we're gonna do it. Mm. Um, so I pay for that. I get a call from my boss. Hey, can you come down to the office? I know you're only five, 10 minutes away. Um, the executives are all here. I'm like, yeah, yeah cool. Whatever. So I'm driving down like, do, 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 just paid for my fridge. Quick. Um, I get there and lo and behold, they're shutting down the whole business. <gasps> so at 20, I want to say maybe 23, I was made redundant. Oh my God. Um, and not including a previous time I was made redundant. Like this was the second, actually including a previous time when I was younger, this was two times. Oh my God. Um, And the business was closed like on that, like on that day on the spot. That's crazy. Um, after you just spent $6,000 on an oven and fridge. <laughs> yeah. $6,000 on an oven and fridge, um, putting a down payment on a property. Yeah. Like that was, shit. <laughs> that, that all happened. So I gave Alex a call. I was like, Hey, um, um this has happened. <laughs> Oh my god! What a shock to the system. Yeah, and mm. I, like I, I was driving home, um, and I was just trying to like process what what, what had just happened. On. Yeah, and I had this like because so what I do as an as an aggregator now, um, banks will do that as well. So they call them business development managers. I had a bunch of them ring me up and just go, "Hey, Russ, are you okay? Are you okay?" Like. Rah, rah, rah. And then one of them actually turned around and went, do you need work? And I was like, uh, yeah, uh, this fridge ain't got to pay for itself. Yeah. <laughs> the snake oven doesn't make money. <laughs> it ain't going to contribute to the mortgage. <laughs> yeah, it's spot on. So like, 
and that was probably within the first week after that business closed. Um, you like got a, a new job? Oh, I, I went for an interview mm. and like this role was finance broker. Mm. So before that I was doing the job, but I didn't have any um, official KPIs, mm. targets. Yeah, official titles. I wasn't earning any commission, so it was just a straight salary every year. But being a finance broker, you get all of those, yeah. right? Like KPIs, targets, title, commission, um, etc. So I was actually really nervous. Like I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. So I get in there and the, they go, yep, we like you. Um, let's do it. I start um, three weeks. I call up an old friend from that car dealership and I'm like, man, I don't know. Maybe I should come back. Mm. Uh, like maybe. But I thought to myself, no, I didn't. I thought about it a bit more and I let it ease in day by day. And I was like, nah, um, I'm, I'm not going to go backwards. I'm not going to go backwards. And I'll be really blatantly honest. Like that first commission check that I got, I was like, oh boy, I'm not going backwards. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Cause like that was the first time that I went, oh, my time does not necessarily equal an hourly rate Mm. anymore. Um, I can make much, much more than I've made in a month. So I continued being a broker for about two years. And then my old state manager from the business that, um, from the business that shut down, he gave me a call and he said, Hey, look, we're working on a business development uh, department for Australia's biggest finance brokerage. And we want you to be a part of it. So we had a chat, um, gave me the base salary and it was higher than what I was getting um, as a broker. Mm. And I was like, okay, I don't like the fluctuating income, so this is good. Mm. Um, yeah, I'll just I'll go for it. And this was a lot later down the track where Alex and I were getting married October 18 and they wanted me to start three weeks before I was getting married. Mm. And I had a three-week honeymoon after that. Yeah. Right? So three... Three weeks prior, I signed the contract and I'm like, look, let's just do it after the honeymoon, guys. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fine to do that. I, I don't need to be paid for six weeks. Mm. I'm like, no, 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 come in, come in. Just start, get to meet everyone and then go off and get married. Oh, that's I'm nice. like, oh, all right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, oh, all right, let's do it. So I greet everyone, you know, there for three weeks, learn a bit of the ins and outs. And then you're rah, gone. Rah, rah. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm going like, yeah, I'm married. I'm sitting on the beach in Hawaii, having the best time. Like, this is awesome. Mm. And then I come back um, and they've shut down the whole department and I've been made redundant. Oh, my God. <laughs> the heck? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, spent, I think we spent like maybe 40 or 50 grand on the wedding at that point. <gasps> so I'm like, oh, my oh God. Boy. This is like deja vu for the third yeah. time. <laughs> for the third time. Um, and, you know, they, they, gave, they gave me the option to go, look, you can be a finance broker again with us. Like, we can do that which is really generous of them at that time. But that department, they just didn't want that functioning anymore because the business had changed plans. Um, That being said, it's like I didn't leave being a finance broker at a place that I really liked to become a finance broker elsewhere. But that that didn't sit well with me. Um, So I was like, yep, I'll do it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I want to get into something more relationship-driven. And this was really lucky where after three months I said look guys three or six months I can't remember now I was like look I'm not really feeling this um I'm happy to finish up and they went like yep 
finish up and I just chucked something on my LinkedIn to be like, hey, I'm looking to become a business development manager for a bank or a non-lender or sorry, non-bank or bank, non-bank or lender or whatever it is. Um, hit me up if you if you want to have a chat. And I get this message from a guy that used to be my BDM back at that first job in Braybrook for um for some sort of lender at the time. And he goes, hey, I'm just in Jordan at the moment, about to hop on a plane in Israel, but are you free for a chat on Tuesday about a job? Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> Let's talk about random. And, yeah, and he's just like, yeah, are you free for a chat on Tuesday when I'm back in when I'm back in Sydney? And I'm in Melbourne, right? So he's like, when I'm back in Sydney, I'll give you a call about potentially working with this company. And I'm like, yes. Because okay, I need, sure. I want a job, yeah. right? Did had you had already resigned when you put? Yeah, the, yeah. I so you I resigned left. with like so you were unemployed. Hundred percent. Okay, so you quit without having any like backup. So you just quit because you weren't vibing, and then you just put like this little description on LinkedIn and hope that something would come your way. Shit, yeah, yeah, spot on. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I've I've always been a really good saver, right? Mm. So. Like that, that wasn't, that wasn't like going. the scariest thing in the world. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But I was like, well, if I try and do an interview while I'm still working, I've got both pressures and I'm like, I'd rather not have both pressures. I'd rather be 110% into in the, the conversation mm-hmm. that I'm having. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we had this chat and I have a chat to like the head of that department as well. And long story short, we end up going, yep, let's do it. And that was my role previous to this, where for two and a half or three years, roughly, I was looking after the state of Victoria for this company, and I was trying to get brokers to do more car loans with us. And it was a brand new product that in the first month, we maybe wrote a million dollars worth of car loans, um, which works out to roughly 30 cars, because every car is about 30 30 grand as an average. And then over time, um, probably in the first two years, mind you, during COVID, I ended up hitting $10 million for the state, which was like the first time anyone had gotten into the double digits. Um, with that being said, I was starting to burn out because I was the only one managing Victoria and like Queensland had two two people that did this role, New South Wales mm. did two people had two people that did this role. And if any of them are listening, I will openly say it. I fucking beat you all. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I could do the job better than you, and there was only one of you. You suck. <laughs> Respectfully, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but I was burning out, right? Mm. So I was like, "Oh man, we need no- we need another person." I don't want to drive from my place over to like the western suburbs, over to the south east, over to like the northeast, up to the north, down to Port Melbourne, and then back home, mm. like. It was, it was a bit much. Um, so after two and a half years, I got into, they they promoted me into a role that's called Sales Efficiency Manager, which is like a really strange title. But what it meant in practice was that I looked at operations. I looked at, um, oh, when I say I looked at operations, I provided the ops team with feedback from my brokers that, for improvements. Mm. Um, and I also did a bit of sales coaching for like the new staff members that were jumping into the role and they learned from me like how I'd operate, how I would get things approved that might not normally be approved. 
um, and how we try to get the best outcomes for our customers. So we did that and I got to a point where I went, I want to really align like my personal property journey with my professional life. And I'm in the financial services. I've worked with mortgage brokers. I've worked with car loan brokers and I got that bit of experience in the relationship side, but how do I push that into a deeper um, property, deeper like Mm. property focused role. Mm. And then a friend of mine in Sydney was like, Hey man, I moved over to this aggregator. You already know about it, but you should work with us. And I was like, Hey man, I don't know what that title means, so no. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, thank you. Yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, nah, man, that's not about it. And he's like, no, dickhead. Like, have a good read, and mm. like, I'll give you a call, and like, I'll explain to you what they actually do. Mm. So I have a good read. He gives me a call, and I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds really interesting. Like, I like the idea of helping more customers by helping brokers be you know, the best version of themselves. Mm. Um, So we had the interview and similar to like how we're talking right now, Mm. I gave them the whole like, this is why my resume looks like this Mm. and why I've got a year here, two years here, maybe three to six months in this particular role. Mm. Um, And I I blatantly said it to them. I go, it's fine if you don't want to hire me. That's okay. Mm. I go, I understand that. But no one, the one thing, and they asked me, they go, Russ, why would we, pick you over anyone else Mm. and I go look there's probably people who are more qualified or have been more stable in their employment or whatever it is but I will honestly work harder than everyone else because I have to Mm. because that's my mindset Mm. like no one's going to outwork me because that's the thing that I bring to the table because I don't have a university degree I don't have you know years of experience at one particular lender but that doesn't matter because I will outwork everyone around to me. prove that. Mm. Yeah, mm. and like I don't know if that's true. No, nah, I should say that. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, it's and like I don't mean that in a dickhead type of way. Like if anyone else like does better than me, I'm more than happy for them because I'm like that is fucking awesome that yeah. they achieved whatever goal that they wanted. Because mm. that's something that I wish for everyone. But for me, I'm like I'm gonna have some quiet competition in my head about whatever competition I want. Because then that motivates me to do better. Mm. Yeah, sorry, that was like a really long um, intro into like what I do and like my <laughs> and history. How you, <laughs> and how you became what you do now. Yeah. No, it's really yeah, interesting because it like it's so unconventional, you know, like like I I can't believe you've been made redundant that know, many times, honestly. Times. And you've been able yeah. and to like pick yourself up. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Crazy. Always after. I think you should just never make purchases now. It's like it's like a pre precursor of you being made redundant. Please don't spend big money. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I got enough savings for this purchase. Great, I got enough savings for like being redundant. Good. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, it was nuts. Like three three redundancies before the age of twenty, before the age of twenty eight. Mm. Crazy. So crazy. Now that we know a little bit about your career, um, we also know that you are a father of two children. You are a husband as well. What has that been like, especially at your age? Being a husband and being a father is like something I've always wanted. 
So Alex and I are going to be together for 10 years this year. Aww. As you know, official 10 years. Um, we've been four years, we'll be four years married as well. Um, my, my eldest son, Archer, is going to be three this year and Scout uh, six months this month, but he'll be one year old in October. So when I look at how being a husband has been, it's not too, it's not different to us dating. Um, cause from, from the get go, we were always independent, but supportive of each other. I'd probably word it that way where she could have her own goals or whatever she wanted to do. And I could have my own goals and whatever I wanted to do. But there was always synergy with it. Um, and that's carried into marriage as much as it was prevalent in, uh, like dating phase. So being a husband, like the biggest thing now for me when I look at that is how do I act how do I act in private and in public that mm. really exemplifies my wife? Like if in private I'm, you know, bitter or like a bit of a dickhead and I don't listen, rah rah rah, that's not good. Um and that like that that to me isn't a healthy marriage or like if in public I, you know, talk shit about my wife, because you get that with, like, a lot of people who are married where they'll talk openly bad about their partner when they're not with their partner. I'm like, that's not what I want to do. Um, that's wrong. <laughs> that's just wrong. Um, so being a husband, it's this is where I wanted to, want to be. Like, this is where I've wanted to be for a very long time, and, like, this is where I want to be for the rest of my life. Being a father of two is fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to put it plainly, <laughs> this shit wild. <laughs> yeah, and like, th- there's so much pressure on on my wife at the moment because she she's at home with the boys. Um, maybe yeah, she's at home with the boys most of the time because she's still on maternity leave, and like being present as a father while like try try trying to juggle a career and trying to have a meaningful relationship with my partner. That that's something where I'm still trying to find that balance. Um but like nothing nothing I would trade there's nothing that I would trade fatherhood for. Like it mm. is it is something where I thought looking at, you know, older people, they go, Oh, when you become a dad, you know, that's it. You're done. Mm. You can't do anything. But like probably Right after Archer was born, or yeah, after Archer was born, at that point I was already like, oh man, every decision is 110 times more um, important now. Mm. So if I go take a job, that's for him, that's for Alex, Mm. and that's for Scout. And that becomes, if I take this job, how does that impact them? How does it make our relationships better? How does it make our life better? Etc. And... Like, that just made me more hyper-focused on being a better person. Um, Yeah, being a better person. But the other side of that is, like, seeing this kid grow up, he's going to be, yeah, three this year. Now he's saying, like, little words, and they don't sound exactly correct, but, like, he's trying to express himself, and he'll come up to me when I come home and just give me a big hug, and I'm like, this is awesome. Or, like, he he really loves lion dance. Um... So, like, I got him, like, this little lion, like, lion plushie, and he, like, holds it while he walks around sometimes. 
little. I know. Like, oh, I can't. The ovaries and are it's like It's stuff like that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Mary's ovaries are on fire. <laughs> like, it's awesome, though. And Alex, like, got this cardboard box, painted it red, and, like, put handles in it so he could hold it and it's got like a little cape at the back. Yeah, yeah I've like seen, the back I've of seen line. Um, Alex's story on that. That was super cute. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> he was playing he with like, Scout with it as well. <laughs> it yeah. And he would like run around literally every day and it's like from the moment he wakes up, he'll come up to us and he'll be like, Rara, which Aww. for whatever I mean, like somehow it just means lion dance. It means dance. lion like, dance because he it's either a lion. wants to do it. <laughs> Yeah, he either wants to do it himself or he wants to watch it on YouTube. Aww. So I've like, I've watched the Singapore 2019 championships like four times. <laughs> like, it's very specific. Like it's to that level. Oh, it, it's always the same videos. Like I know which ones, I know what happens. <laughs> that green one is going to jump on a pole. <laughs> In three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then having Scout, it's like now I can see Archer being older brother. And, like, there's so much love there already between the two. Mm. And, I'm like, that's insane. Um, and Scout's just, like, Archer's a little bit more introverted. Um, he's a bit shy. But Scout's, like, this little baby that he just starts smiling. Like, he'll look at someone and he Aww. just starts smiling. And we're Aww. like, oh, man, he's really going to, like, be this chatterbox. And I, I don't know where he gets that from. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I have no idea where he gets that from. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, just completely random. But fatherhood is amazing, to be honest. Wow, dude, you really have like your life story is incredible. I want that. (laughs) Whatever he has, I want it. (laughs) Take my money. Except for (laughs) it's like there is no sort of like. It's no middle spectrum. Mm. It's kind of like on you're on one end and, or you're, on, or the you're on the other. There's <laughs> like, there's like no sort of like, oh, there was this quiet period and yeah, that was just it. You know? It's just up right. and down. Yeah. Like, uh, it's crazy. I agree with and you. I'm completely on the spectrum. No. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Oh, I'm dear. <laughs> um, I guess this is a good time for us to announce the fact that we have decided to put Russell on as a reoccurring guest on this podcast. Um, Jesse, we both have sat down with Russell and we've decided that we're going to do a segment with Russell to talk all things about finances because there's so much to learn. Mm-hmm. There's he's, so much. He's just a man for it. I mean, considering yeah. his like, <laughs> resume that he's literally given us, the whole breakdown, yeah. the man has all the answers at this point. Yeah. And then also on top of that, you know, he is now well equipped to tell us a little bit more about fatherhood, especially for those of you who are our male listeners, mm-hmm. probably in the same yeah, age, probably, you know, probably freaking out about down. parenthood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. So like, yeah, don't hold them by the leg because that's like kind of dangerous. <laughs> You're killing a dude. <laughs> Yeah, but we haven't come up with a segment name yet, so um, that will be in the works. Mm -hmm. Watch this space. Uh, Watch this space. This season is going to be jam-packed full of great advice, so, you know, you'll never know when the next episode's going to be with Russell again, so, yeah. 
listen here. Let's sure. listen, listen out, and and be ready for it. Here's pop up. Oh dang, there's it's, another one. It's this guy again. <laughs> yeah, you're that weird guy. That. <laughs> that weird finance dude. <laughs> it's like that Filipino guy that speaks a little bit of Cantonese and Vietnamese. Oh yeah, like what the hell? <laughs> it's a mashup, guys. It's a China, Vietnam, Filipino mashup. We should have a whole, whole episode in, in our accents. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> what do you get oh, when you man. get You put a Chinese, a Vietnamese, and a Filipino in a room. A weird podcast episode. <laughs> um, Just, hello, welcome to Messy Minds. <laughs> we have Jesse and Mary. <laughs> I love it. And I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much to Russell for giving us some of your time out of your busy schedule to be with us here. If the listeners want to find you, where can they go? Um, On Instagram, I am literally Russell Perdio. So that's Russell with one L, not two. I always wonder what my mum was thinking, but that's fine. (laughs) She couldn't be bothered Um, writing another L. It's too much effort. There was already two S's. Yeah, it's fine. The world is asking too much from her. And if you ever want to send me anything specific, you can just send it to russell at birdio.com.au. If you've got any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you or any suggestions maybe or questions for Russell that you'd like us to talk about on the podcast in our reoccurring um, episodes with him. Reach out to us on our Instagram page at messyminds.podcast. If you're enjoying our show, please follow us on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in on. This really helps us get noticed by others in the community. Be sure to come back next week for some more juicy discussions. Until then, this is Mary. And this is Jesse. And this is Russell. And don't forget to declutter your messy minds. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.